In the event of a water landing, your earbuds can be used as a flotation device. Hey everybody, this is Doug Bursch, and you are listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. Well, Easter's coming up in uh, a little bit, a while, and on today's show I'm going to talk about why uh, I'm not treating Easter like a normal event this year and why I think other churches shouldn't as well. We'll also talk about vaccinations, when are you going to get yours, where are you going to be on that list, and about naming generations, you know, like millennials and Generation X and the greatest generation, why I think naming generations just needs to stop with the next generation. Stop the madness on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. show. I am your host, Doug Bursch, and this is, my friends, the Fairly Spiritual Show. Uh, So on today's show, I want to talk about uh, a veritable cornucopia of things. I think in uh, the coming podcast, I'm going to try to look at a few more news stories, stuff that I used to do when I did a radio show way back when I was on the radio. The Radio Kids is something you might uh, have heard of. It's in some of your cars. It's the thing that you plug your MP3 player or your iPhone or whatever other device you plug it in to hear hear music, well, um, those little numbers there, they correspond with stations and uh, people listen to radio. But anyway, uh, on my radio show, I used to just look at news stories, topics, and so I'm going to do a little bit of that and get into deeper topics. Uh, COVID-related stuff today, uh, talking about Easter, covid vaccines, um, and naming generations. And just to start things off, I saw this uh, report from, this was Catherine Shochet. I'm sorry, Catherine. I don't think that's how you pronounce your last name, but she's from CNN. And uh, the title, this is what got me. (laughs) Okay. The title of the piece is Meet Generation C, the COVID generation. Let's just do a hard stop here. No. We are not going to name any generation the COVID generation. And, and I, I'm telling you, I don't care how much COVID does impact a generation. Even if you got together, uh, you know, a thousand of your most influential people who name stuff uh, and they all agreed, you know, the best way to define this generation is COVID. Don't do it. Just do not create a memorial uh, for COVID. Don't create, like, that's what you'll, we don't want to think more about this season in the future. We want to think less. Please don't saddle any generation with COVID generation. Just don't do it. I cannot imagine anyone in that generation is going to want to be defined as Generation C. In fact, we should have realized that uh, naming a generation is just a bad idea uh, when we came up with Generation X. I'm a Generation Xer, and that's just a terrible, I just hate it. I know you're not supposed to say hate, Mom, hates for Satan, uh, but I just hate Generation X. What what a non-creative, if anything tells you more what the previous generation thought of us, is they just gave us a letter, 
just an X, a variable, not a very good letter, a letter that you don't really use for anything but maybe xylophone and X-ray, just probably shouldn't even be in the alphabet. And that's what we got, we got a variable, just X. And we, we took it, we were like, yeah, sure, just, just be that lazy, just make us a letter, we're good. No, that was, that was ridiculous, doesn't mean anything. Someone right now is going, oh, that is a typical generation Xer. Well, just stop it. And it didn't get any better, like millennial. Millennials sounds like some sort of end time prophecy. Just no. Let's just stop it. Let's believe that you cannot label a whole group of people, you know, millions of people, by one word or two words or one letter. Let's just assume that that is impossible. And don't even get me started on the greatest generation. Uh, again, nothing against the quote-unquote greatest generation, but but where do you go from there? Like, oh, you know, that generation before you, that was the greatest generation. That's basically like having, you know, the big sister that just was a perfectionist and did everything better than you. Why even try if the greatest generation has already come? What are we, the not-so-great generation? So let's just stop. No, I'm sorry, Catherine Shochet. I'm sorry I mispronounced your name. I'm sure you got some great points about the problem of COVID and how it's impacting us, and it's certainly going to have impacts uh, in the future. But let's, no, do not Generation C, COVID Generation, hard pass. Okay, another thing that's going on is uh, on social media, you've seen people posting their vaccination pics, right? Which I think is great, uh, because one, I think we all should be vaccinated, and there's all kinds of weird conspiratorial, you know, don't get vaccinated, and people don't understand how we got rid of polio and so many other diseases based on vaccinations, lots of misinformation. So I understand why we're doing it, you know, to, to let people know, hey, I got vaccinated, you can get vaccinated too. However, there's a little bit of envy there, isn't there? Can you can I admit to that? Does that make me a bad person? I don't think I should jump the line, right? I don't think that I'm in the high priority. You know, uh, I'm I'm not a first responder. I don't work in the medical profession. I'm not a teacher who has a bunch of kids going to make me sick. You know, I, I I get it, but there's a part of you that still feels like this. Is, maybe this is just me. Maybe you don't feel this way, but I kind of feel like this whole vaccination thing is. And again, I'm not I'm not complaining. Uh, hear me correctly. I'm fine with this, but I almost feel like. It's the plane boarding thing. You know, like when you're going to board a plane and they go, everybody look at your section you're in, your row you're in. And by the way, it doesn't matter for me. I can be, they can label it like A, B, and C. They can give names uh, for, you know, special classes. They can give numbers for boarding. It doesn't matter what's on my ticket. I am going to be in the last group who boards. You know, they're going to make all those announcements. We have a really full flight. Uh, make sure you don't carry on any excess things. We'll be glad to check in your bags. Now I just I just check in my carry-on anyway, because no matter what it says on my ticket, probably 8,000 people are going to go before me. There'll be If there's 30 classes of people who can go in, uh, I'm going to be the 30th. Maybe I'll be the 29th. Like, the 30th will be people who just don't care about anything and are just clueless, woke up late and they want to come in last. That's the only boarding group that comes after me. But for me, I think um, vaccines are going to be like this. I'll be the last one loaded onto the plane uh, with no place for my carry-on luggage, and, and that's okay. So keep posting those pictures. Uh, I'm going to resent it a little bit, like in a good sense, like I'm happy for you, and I'm going to wait with great expectations for when I can take my vaccine as well. Uh, so this all brings me to Easter. Yes, you say, what do vaccines have to do with Easter? Well, uh, as they've given, even the most, uh, what is it, the most, oh, I was going to say 
uh, people who have, boy, the word is escaping me, which doesn't work well with a podcast, but, oh, here we go. Even the most optimistic assessments of when we're all going to get vaccinated, at least the people who do it, not the people who are, you know, begrudgingly like, no, it's my right to be sick and make people sick. Other than that group, when the most optimistic idea of when vaccines will be available to all of us is not this month. And it's not next month either. It's going to be a few months. And I've already noticed that because some people are being vaccinated, others are right into, let's just get everything back to normal. Whole states are doing that. And I see churches doing that as well. I saw in uh, my community, a church was doing this big old uh, Easter egg hunt, which, which is a classic evangelical thing to do, right? And I'm not against Easter egg hunts. I, I think it's okay for kids to have trinkets and you know, little plastic eggs. I don't have a problem with that. For our church, for instance, for many years, we would do an Easter egg hunt, but I don't like to be stressed. Can I get a witness? I don't want to go to one of those Easter egg hunts where the kids are pushing each other over and stomping on the eggs and everyone's fighting for things and the parents are like, get the one over there and you know, don't let that kid push you around. Like, And they're just hoarding everything, taking as many eggs as they can. I don't like any of that. So what we would do is we wouldn't promote it. It was just kind of for people in the church who showed up because I... I don't know. I just, I found that they do these big promotions and everybody comes and gets their stuff, but I don't sometimes know what that has to do with the gospel. I'm just going to say it. I mean, if you want to do that, that's great if that's on your heart, but often it's just a bunch of people get a bunch of cheaply made products from the Oriental Trading Company, and that's what it's called, by the way, Oriental Trading Company. If you're in ministry, you know what that is. They sell all these cheap trinkets that come from China, and okay, everybody gets those, and then they go home, and next week, hear about the same. And even if they do come, I'm like, why are they coming to the church? Because we give trinkets to people? I, I, So I just struggle with that. But but in our hunt, we would do this. I, I'd say, and I know this is probably another one of the reasons our church doesn't grow well. Uh, I would say we here at Evergreen, we celebrate a socialistic Easter egg hunt, which of course some of you are like, what? But I say this, we're not going to fight over eggs. Everyone gets like 10 eggs, just to say, you all get 10. Uh, no more no less. Go out and get your 10. And then once you get your 10, come to me or somebody else. And we've got a little prize for you. We give them a stuffed animal or something. So there's, you know, there's just no pressure. And some people don't like that. They're like, hey, it's, you know, Easter egg hunts are about taking things from other people and pushing kids around and getting the most you can. For me, I don't want to think about my resurrected savior uh, and people crying because they didn't get enough trinkets. I get it that already it's a little weird, the whole egg thing and thinking about our resurrected Savior. But I don't want trauma when it comes to collecting candy and such. So that's what we do. But anyway, some churches do these elaborate, huge things. Do I need to tell you this? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Often this is how people will start churches. There's a new church in town going to bring the glory of the Lord to the city, the the true church. And I welcome churches. I think we need more churches. But they kind of have that vibe. Like, you know, the rest of the churches are doing it wrong. We're going to do it right. We've got God's anointing. We've We've got the stuff. We've got the goods. And some of them will do these huge Easter egg hunts. And just, can I say ridiculous? I think I can. Like, there's some years where they were dropping eggs from helicopters and just, it's just go big. It just, wow, this is just the most amazing thing. And they get all these prizes and treats and and they just go all in. Well, I noticed that a church in our community that sometimes has that vibe is doing a big Easter egg hunt. 
and uh, just treating things like normal. And as I saw that, I was just like, no, we, we, we should not be treating this as normal. And, and this has been a big issue for me when it comes to COVID and how we're dealing with COVID. Things aren't normal. And we're not supposed to treat them like they're normal. In fact, I think it's profoundly troubling that some Christians have tried to treat this whole COVID thing as normal. Or let's just get back to normal. Or let's, you know, regardless of what's going on in this world, we're going to gather together and we're going to sing songs. We're going to sing the same songs we sang before COVID. We're going to sing just as loud as we did before COVID. And we're, we don't need masks. We're going to sing without masks. And we're going to be together. And we're going to get the same kind of hugs. Because, you know, greater is Christ in us than he that is in the world, and we're not afraid, and we're just going to keep doing what we've always done, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic. To me, that has been profoundly troubling, and it's kind of shown the problem with some churches in America, or a certain church culture in America. And what I would say is these churches are not relevant churches, they're escapist churches. They're, they're preaching escapist gospels. And escapist, I mean by this, that they're just, uh, if you come to Christ, you just won't have to go through life the way the rest of the people have to go through life. As Christians, we, we, this world doesn't uh, you know, apply to us. If you come to us, you're going to have different marriages, and your marriages are going to be so much more healthy and secure, and you're going to have better families, and your families are just, you're going to have less conflict in your family, and it's just going to go better. It's it's not even like prosperity gospel, like you're just going to make a lot of money and be healthy and wealthy, but there is kind of an escapist reality that if you come and you you do the stuff we preach, you're, you're just going to do better. Life is going to be better for you. Now, hear me clearly. I believe my life is better in Jesus, but it's not an escapist thing. Here's what happens when you're a Christian. You still get sick. You do. You do. Now, I've seen people healed and miracles and signs and wonders, but Christians get sick, and we, and we die at a rate that's about the same as people who are non-Christians. You still get cancer. You still have terrible things happen. You still are treated unfairly at work, and marriage is still really difficult. Parenting is incredibly difficult. You, you don't escape that. And some churches live this escapism like, well, no, we're just going to somehow bypass that reality. And I've seen this with how they're handling COVID. This idea, like, we're, we're just going to just bypass that. We're going to escape it because we're somehow more anointed. or. But that's, that's not what the gospel does there. The reality is, and you even see it in Scripture, is uh, they lived really difficult lives. The Apostle Paul faced all kinds of persecution and trials, and there, there are miracles of deliverance, but for every story of a miracle of deliverance, there's heartache and persecutions and hurts and traumas. It's not escapism. It's not, you know, you, you just hang out with us and things are going to go better for you. There's, there's tremendous persecution. So, I've got a problem with this. Like, we're, we're not supposed to treat this Easter like it's normal. It's not normal. And the fact to me 
that we're so quickly wanting to just get back into things. Like we we just got to get back. That's escapism. That's just, I don't want to have to deal with reality. So we're just going to get back into a fiction where we can just pretend everything's fine. In the last couple of weeks, I've had, I don't know, it was like two or three different pastor friends that I know of who've gotten COVID or someone in their church has gotten COVID. Uh, people who are still getting sick and the long-term effects of COVID aren't just whether you die. There's some even neurological things that we don't understand what's going on, how it's going to affect our neurology, how it's going to affect our heart. We don't understand. It is not a normal thing. And yet we're kind of playing the odds and saying, well, you know, just it'll probably work out. Christ is with us, and so we can somehow just live differently. You know, the church talks about being relevant. And relevance to me is not wearing uh, slim jeans, which people don't do anymore. I, I don't know what it, the relevancy is now, or wearing, you know, uh, cool sneakers. By the way, everything I'm saying here shows clearly that I'm not very relevant, but whatever. That's not relevance. A relevance is actually uh, when your church looks like the world. Like relevance is going to Walmart and look around and say, to, especially if there's a Walmart in your community, go into that Walmart and say, does my church look like the people in this Walmart? If it doesn't, you're probably not relevant. And by the way, if that makes you feel condemned or convicted, uh, it certainly brings conviction to me because uh, our church does not look like that expression. You say, I don't like Walmart. Okay, pick Target. Just pick some place. Just go and does the church look like that? Just regular people. It's always a trouble to me. Like if I go into church and I see the worship team is all shiny and beautiful and skinny and you just like, that's not relevant. That's relevant to entertainment or Hollywood, or but it's not relevant. Relevant would be you got someone up there who's might maybe skinny, someone who's got a little bit of weight, someone who's young and someone who's old, someone who's got a decent voice. I get it. You know, it's pretty hard to have people lead if no one can sing. So you got to have, you know, people with good voices, but you're going to have some people with just okay voices. And relevance with this culture is not trying to escape the reality of COVID. It's to be like, okay, this this is honest. The church could have been incredibly relevant. Say, you know, we're going to lead the charge. We're going to lead the charge. But the church is not essential in this sense. The church, as in the church universal, as in Christ with us, the hope of glory, yes, that's incredibly essential. But gathering together in a building is not essential. It's not. We know that. We know because the church has thrived in persecuted times when we weren't allowed to gather in buildings. People have grown in their faith when they were persecuted and thrown in jail. and We're not essential. And we could have done this and said, you know what? We're not essential. A lot of things have to be done. And even now, you know, the kid, we're trying to find a way to educate kids and the complexities of that, whether they're in school or not. Uh, even that is more essential than us meeting in the church. And in fact, as more of these other groups start meeting, then we could really lead the charge and say, you know, let's just make it so there's one area where we're not going to spread disease because people are now doing more things and more activity. We don't want to gather everybody together and spread the disease. We're just going to lead the charge. The church could have been relevant in leading the charge. And that's what we tried to do with our church. And it's not popular, and it's certainly been not modeled by even a lot of my friends and fellow pastors. But we didn't wait for governmental mandates. We just thought we're going to lead the charge. We're, we're going to be a place that doesn't promote death, and not just a little bit of death. We're just, no, it's just going to be, we got to figure out, can this faith withstand a season where we can't gather together and do our rituals? Can it? 
And if it can't, it's no faith at all. It is not a faith. It is not a relevant faith if it cannot stand through a pandemic, if it cannot change and, and, and maneuver and work within a way that deals with the realities of what's happening around us. If we can't figure out a way to serve the most vulnerable people in our communities, then we're, we're not Christ-like. And if the church looks the most selfish, it's not Christ-like. So that's what we did. And so we're in that place. We're just under the Lord. In fact, we're still not meeting again. And we're going to meet together in person when we believe probably the majority of the people in our church are vaccinated. And we'll look at it. But I even thought this. I'm like, I want to lead the charge of that. I, I want to be like the church should lead the charge. Who was the most contending for life? It was the church. Who were the people who were the last to gather together in any way that might cause sickness? It was the church because we wanted to be relevant to the needs of this culture. Instead, we got to do our Easter egg hunt. You got to bring people to Christ. And, and here's the thing, a hint to you, church, we ain't bringing people to Christ. The church is declining rapidly in America, and coming out of the Trump age, it's going to decline more. And it's not because of the liberal elites, and it's not because of, uh, you know, they're persecuting us and keeping the gospel from spreading. The gospel is not spreading because it's not attractive to people who need Christ. It's become entrapped in these cultural expressions. Christianity is this segment of people who have certain views on gun control and taxes and the flag and whether you kneel or you don't kneel. We've made Christianity into just this cultural conglomeration of partisan ideas that have little or nothing to do with a relationship with our resurrected Savior. And we can have an Easter egg hunt where we hand out a lot of free stuff to kids, and it's not going to overcome the duplicity and the hypocrisy that they're growing up in in the church. In fact, when I look at some of the most angry at the church, uh, don't like the church, don't like Christians, don't like evangelicals, when I look at some of those groups, they were people who, as kids, were raised in churches that provided everything. They had the best programs. They had you know, cool play zone environments for Sunday school and everything was relevant and cool and, and they had concerts and they had hundreds of people to interact with and all kinds of different programs and resources. They had it all. And they don't love Jesus or love his church now. That ain't it. It ain't it. And so, you know, this idea, what, what, you know, what we could have done, and wish I, I wish we've done, and this is what we're doing in our church, and whether it's right or wrong, it's what we're doing, is I wish we'd just taken some time to stop planting, just stop planting. Like, I think the words fallow, just let, let the land sit. Like, no, don't do the big Easter thing. You go, but we didn't do the big Easter thing last year. Don't do it this year either. Just let the land lay fallow. Don't dig it up and, and cast the same seed that produces the same fruit that really isn't transforming anyone or very few people. God's gracious. God clearly transforms people regardless of our reality. But why didn't we? Just to say, we're, we're not, you know what? The church needs a reset. So we're just not going to. We're, we're, cause I, you're not going to overcome 
the fundamental brokenness of the witness of Christ in America by doing a, hey, let's just make sure to pretend COVID isn't here and we're going to do the Easter egg hunt and we're going to make sure we do the program that we do every year and we'll start the small groups and we'll launch it in September and we'll do this in October and in December and we'll follow this calendar and we do the same stuff over and over again, producing the same anemic, ineffective results. So for me, it's been like, I don't know, Lord, we're just, we're just placing everything before you, trying to do online services, connect with people, still build relationships as much as we can. But just laying it all before you and say, we're, not, we're just not going to plant anything. Uh, we're just, we're we're just not going to do the same stuff that isn't producing good fruit. You know, people get upset at me for this, and I guess that's your right. But if anything would say it's not working, it would be that uh, Donald Trump became our president. And for people who are like, well, how dare you say that? There's no way that that would be an example. He would be an example of a quote-unquote Christian nation. I could get it if some people are like, you know, you had strong political views, and you're like, well, he's the only guy we got, so, you know, he's our candidate, so I like him better than the other guy. But that's not what happened. We have people worshiping him. Somebody who doesn't believe in forgiveness, doesn't believe in repenting, doesn't doesn't have any connection with any of the tenets of the gospel. That is certainly, and they have like a huge majority of evangelical Christians say, that's our guy. Uh, that's a sign it ain't working. And, and for me, for the future, I'm not trying to go after progressives or conservatives. I just want this thing to be about the gospel, and that's not the gospel. So, you know, this intersection, all these things came together at once. And it's a crazy time. And I shouldn't be doing a show like this because I need to be nurtured and built up and I feel weak and vulnerable. And I'm just going to get, you know, some angry Christian just telling me that I'm a baby killer because I thought Trump was a terrible idea for America. Now, here's the deal. Like, I, I could be wrong in that. But I am right about this, that the very fact that that's what we're dealing with, like thinking that somehow Trump will save us, or this polarized, partisan, we're the righteous ones, you're the wicked one, like that, we are just so far gone. So to me, we got to just let things lay fallow and then come back out of this, get our vaccinations, still pray for people, connect with people, and don't restart what should just die. I don't want to restart stuff that never worked. I mean, there are so many disillusioning things. I, I think even growing up in the church, so many people, had, they were so arrogant with their answers. They were like, this is what you need to do, and this is how your marriage needs to be, and this is how your kids need to be. And then I'm like, whatever happened to that person? They go, oh, they got divorced. Whatever happened to that person? Oh, their kids don't speak to them. Are they even going to church anymore? Nah, they're just doing their own thing. Some really terrible fruit. And yet we're just going to keep moving on. You know, I, I, was an, I was a counselor at a Billy Graham crusade in the sense that I was, uh, you know, someone gave their life to Christ and I walked them through, you know, the uh, are you a Christian kind of thing. And I thought that was a great experience. I, I appreciated that. I thought it was a good thing. But we could have, you know, 20... 
Billy Graham-like crusades. And they're not going to overcome the terrible witness that the church is presenting of Christ on a daily basis. We don't look any different in the world. We just look more self-righteous and angry and bitter and believe in fanciful conspiracy theories, just absurdities. Anti-intellectual, just being led by talk show hosts who have little education and little intellectual bandwidth to be able to deal with diverse people groups. I, I don't... Okay, let's gather together. We, you know, we got to get back together so we can all be singing our songs and hearing our sermons. And I'd say, why? I'm even for me. I'm like, well, I transformation. I love preaching. I'm doing the podcast. I believe, you know, and speaking and preaching. But I just don't see that overcoming these deeper witness issues. But I think that's what's happening. There are Christians that it's just escapism. It's just do the stuff, keep the thing going. Do the Christianity 101 and 202 and 303 and make sure you're, you're growing in your numbers and make sure you're... For what? For what if we're just as divorced or more than anyone else? For what if our families are even more messed up? For what if we're championing people with no moral character? Who cares? So anyway. You know, I, I honestly, I just feel like we're not supposed to treat things like they're normal. We're supposed to lead the charge in that. When everybody else is like, oh, just get back to normal, open those, you know, the restaurants. And I get economic things. People are trying to survive. So we try to find a way to eat in the restaurant so we don't kill each other. And I get when it's someone's livelihood, I get that. But as Christians and church, we're supposed to be different. We're like, well, you know, I know you guys are trying to get things back to normal, but this ain't a normal world. Things are broken. People are sick. This pandemic has killed hundreds of thousands of people. And here's the thing. If the Christian church had led the charge in social distancing, in taking seriously mask wearing, in taking seriously the spread of this disease, thousands upon thousands of lives would have been saved. We are responsible for the death of thousands. And that alone should make us just not, let's just do Easter again and tell people about how good Jesus is when our witness has not been good to the very health and livelihood of families. We don't want to think about it. We want to suppress it. But the tangential thing, maybe your friend just got sick, but the fact that they got sick and got better, somebody else got sick who didn't get better, and none of that would have happened if we had taken the responsibility to be relevant, embrace the fact that this was a season of death and that the pandemic caused death, and led the charge in stopping the spread of a disease, of a sickness. So, yeah. I'm not going to do things normal. And I don't know if they're ever going to come back to normal because I don't want to bring things back to how they are. I don't know how to even express this. It's not even theological. It's not even like, uh, do you believe in Christ Jesus, our Savior, or the incarnation, or salvation through faith? There's other things we have to be able to say. Hey, we, we're we not just angry 
partisan, bitter, delusional, conspiracy-loving, not caring about disease processes Christians. We're the other kind. The other kind who just don't want to embrace that madness. Uh, I hope the gospel is more than Easter eggs. And we do Easter. Again, if you heard me right, I'm not attacking that, but goodness sakes. Well, we got to do a big campaign to win the loss. You want to win the loss? Be different every day of your existence. But not just more different in that you're just not nice on social media and you're just more judgmental and critical and selfish and complaining. And Okay, Doug, you got to stop. So, here you go. I'm not going to promote this podcast. You'll you'll have to promote it because I <laughs> I don't want to have to have the what aboutism. Well, what about this and what about that? I I think anybody who knows me knows the the larger record of what I'm about. But it, we're in an absurd time. Uh, my friend Beth Moore, uh, tremendous woman of God. Seeing her in the last four and a half years just attacked by people because she just said reasonable things like, you know, we probably shouldn't be racist and we need to acknowledge that we are. And we probably shouldn't be misogynistic and we should acknowledge when our political leaders are misogynistic. Just some real radical, practical stuff. And yet she was despised. And I see right now she's trying to find a way, you know, to navigate leaving the Southern Baptist denomination and just to be accepted for who she is in Christ. And I, I, uh, things are broken. Let's not just do another Easter. Let's just not do another program and preach another message and rally around stuff that's broken and breaking other people. Let's not promote a culture of death. Let's be about light and life. And regardless of what you've done up to this point, you can turn. You can repent and turn. You can say, I, you know, when I look at it now, I didn't do it the way I was supposed to, but today is the day the Lord has made, so I'm going to turn in the direction of Christ's righteousness and allow his kingdom to come and his will to be done in my life. All right. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. I, I've got a book coming out April 20th, Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. Could you please pre-order it? That would help the cells of the book, and I think you'll like it as well. Okay, make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. I will see you next time. Another-